Hey, this is Lara Turpin, and you're listening to The Slavic Connection. Today, Matt got a chance to talk to UT's own Dr. Marina Alexandrova. Matt, give me a little information on uh, what you chatted with uh, Marina about today. Wow, we hit on several topics. We hit on her course, uh, Russian Through JAMA, which I think is just a really fascinating way, fascinating way to teach language. We talked about her work with the, the Netflix series The Last Stars. We talked about her book ideas. We talked about kind of the inter- immigrant experience for you know people from Russia and really kind of things that relate to all immigrants and how you kind of adapt to a different society. So I thought it was really fascinating and I, th- I think you guys will love it. You're listening to the Slavic Connection, brought to you by the Center for Russian, East European and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Hey, this is Matt. You're listening to the Slavic Connection. Today I have the great privilege and honor of talking with um, somebody who I've been working for for the past year, and also who I consider uh, a friend, somebody who I really admire. I'm talking to Marina Alexandrova. Marina, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. I mean, when I I remember when I found out that I was going to be working for you a long time ago, I was just very, I was like, wow, here's this Russian person who's you know teaching Russian in the United States. And my first thought was like, you know, just kind of imagining what that experience must have been like. And you had, don't have to dig too much into the details, but what I'm mainly curious is, is like when you, uh, you've been living here for so long now, what are, what were kind of the cultural differences that you, that really kind of struck you and were maybe difficult to adapt to, or just kind of you thought were funny or interesting? Was there anything like that? Uh, absolutely. I think the, um, I was lucky in a sense that when I came to America for the first time as an exchange student, I was really young and adaptable and malleable, and I feel like I could uh, learn as I go and kind of t- blaze my own trail um, mm-hmm. in a way. And, of course, it was a steep learning curve, especially the first uh, semester of grad school in America because uh, science or academics are done differently in Russia. And right. So even like learning, relearning how to write papers was uh, something wow. that was a completely different experience for yeah. me. But, uh, of course, everyday life, too. Like, um, yeah. Finding roommates. I never lived yeah. with roommates oh, before. Yeah, and, I can't imagine. And even shopping at a supermarket was something very challenging because I was not familiar with most of the foods I saw. Oh, and right. there was a trial and error was something that I found inedible as a Russian. So <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine just because I went through a similar experience of when I came to, you know, to Russia and spent all this time there. And it was just it's so different. And I think a lot of people, it, it might be difficult for them. So you teach several courses here. I think one that's really interesting to me that I wish I could be more involved with um, is this Russia Russian through drama mm-hmm. course. Uh, I guess it's how many times have you taught it? Is this your? It's uh, my second time. Second time to it. teach it. Mm-hmm. How? So you've picked two words. I think you did uh, the bed bug. Mm-hmm. By is Mayakovsky, mm-hmm. and now what? What are you doing this semester? We're doing Chekhov's play, The Seagull. Oh, The Seagull, and, wonderful! Um, back to the classics after an experimental and uh, kind of irreverent comedy by Mayakovsky. Mm-hmm. And um, generally, sp- teaching through drama has been a very hot trend for the past several yeah. years, especially in foreign language education, and you can see it in other languages as well. And um, I've always had passion for Russian theater, so it's basically a dream come true to to bring Russian culture through theater to my students of Russian. So that's mm-hmm. uh, and it's a creative process in many ways. It's a it's a um, not an 
not kind of an easy course to teach just because there are so many variables and it's also part of this experiential learning initiative, mm -hmm. meaning that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. Right. We are, uh, students are given much more authority in terms of uh, the decisions they make about costumes and all of the parts of the production. So, so I, as a professor, I mean, obviously professors tend to have, to want to have control over the classroom. And here it's also a learning experience for me to let go a little bit and, and step back and let my students interact with Chekhov and with the play and mm -hmm. with the epoch. What was the process like for the two works that you've chosen? Is there a certain, like, how do you even approach the question of which work to, to choose? That's also, yeah, thank you. Good, great <laughs> question, because I've been always a fan of Mayakovsky. I've uh -huh. worked uh, on him academically, and he's just such a fun writer, and his uh, plays, yeah. his comedies are underestimated I think they yeah. need to be brought to wider audiences because they still are super funny so that was just my love for Mayakovsky manifesting mm -hmm. itself in Bedbug and um, in the same semester when I when we produced uh, Mayakovsky I was a dramaturg for Austin Shakespeare helping them on their production of The Seagull and that's when I uh, got to know this um, play from much from different sides wow. from 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 kind of um the traditional reading of like the big tragedy to kind of irreverent and more kind of comedic um, side to it. So, so that's when I fell in love with it and I really wanted to stage it with my students. Mm -hmm. And so how many students are in the course? We right now have 18 students. 18. And everybody will get a chance to perform in Russian on stage, but we also will have super titles. So everyone is welcome to come wow. on December 6th and 7th to our opening night and second night because everyone I, will be able to read I in definitely English. plan on attending. Yes, I'm please. also curious how do you determine like who who how what's how do you determine who's going to get the lead roles or who's going to get this role? Is it kind of people just sign up for what they want or is there a certain other way that it works? It's both or <laughs> three approaches. So um, as it is a creative process throughout the semester and it's hard to know what will manifest itself at the end of it, um, I also have to see what kind of temperaments sure. of students we have sure. who wants to be the lead yeah. because not always I mean, not sure, everybody yeah. wants to be the lead yeah. it means that it's a lot of learning impression yeah, by heart sure. and performing but um, of course we listen to what people want to do in the play but also we'll have additions so when the students will read poetry out loud in Russian and mm -hmm. in front of um, three judges and then we'll make decision collectively okay wow that. interesting yeah. <laughs> So the other thing I wanted to talk about is that you, I mean, I don't want to, I, I want to get correctly what exactly you did, but there was this uh, this uh, new series that came out, The Last SARS. And, uh, well, I mean, first off, we should say that in Russia, it, it whipped up this whole media firestorm because I believe the opening shot of the series was, it says, you know, Moscow, 1905. And... <laughs> And there's the Lenin Mausoleum. And then, I, you know, I saw the way that, you know, Russian politicians of various kinds were saying, oh, look, at you know, it's just a classic example of how poorly the Americans, you know, understand us and our history and how they're uh, changing it and so on. But you, you worked on the, on the show or you, you were, a, I guess, a historical consultant for it in some way, or just what, w what was your role in it, and how did that whole arrangement come about? Right, yeah, the, the shot you're referring to appeared in the beginning of the third episode. Oh, and, the third episode, okay. And um, um, in a way, it was a typical reaction by Russian media because it's easy to latch on to something that's easily criticizable and right. then just uh, dismiss the whole thing just based on one thing uh, without even watching it, probably. So... Um, 
I think it was really well researched, and of course, I mean there are um, various things that happen in various shows. But I'm really proud of the product that Newtopia produced because it was really well researched and based on the latest archival um, documents that were uncovered in the past decade that would restore a more truthful picture of what happened. Right. Because it's easy to sensationalize what who was Rasputin and absolutely and what happened then. But they. Um, produce a very uh, kind of a true to what we know Absolutely. version D and everybody was presented with their own struggles so that's what I really like how Nicholas II was um, a human being just burdened with the just unimaginable load of work and pressures right. and Alexander right. had her own battles and there was Putin too and so that right. was a a very interesting experience to participate in something that's actually true to what we know is right. true from terms exactly. of exactly the reason the reason I bring it up is just that it was just it was just kind of frustrating and tragic that this thing that did have so much attention and was being so kind of lauded by experts and historians that one thing just got attached to and then the, you know and then of course I mean that's just the way that the world works uh, unfortunately So how did you kind of get involved in the process? Did somebody reach out to you? Yes, or? I was approached first, um, I believe it was the fall of 2017, and uh, with a with an um, invitation to participate. And then there was a series of interviews over the phone and Skype to see what, um, um, to talk about the, these topics and whether they're interesting to mm -hmm. the producers and sure. to me. And so there was a, a kind of a long process of selection and then yeah. I was notified that I wow. would be a, one of the historians um, on the show or historical experts and they flew me to New York to conduct a four-hour interview in a studio and I was really exciting and terrifying because I didn't know what exactly I will be asked because I knew the, the timeline obviously <laughs> did and you, the did cast you study it all or are you like I, of course yes I was uh, reading up on uh, yeah, sure. uh, more you know in depth yeah. and doing my research on the wow. topics but I think that was a kind of a fun and exciting that's so twist cool. to it yeah. that that there is no script you could be asked anything like yeah. so what was it's the like mistake that nicholas ii made and like aha let's <laughs> tackle this so right. so absolutely delightful to to experience that yeah. and um, the kind of live format but the intrigue for me was that i haven't seen any part of the material until it streamed on july 3rd so right. i haven't I didn't know who else was in the program or who, what actors were there, yeah. and so that was um, interesting to see on July 3rd when it actually came out. Yeah. This complete um, uh, surprise. Sure, yeah. I, I I look forward to seeing yeah. it once yeah. I get a get a chance to. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to talk about is a, a book idea that you've been kicking around. Mm -hmm. T tell us about it. Right, so right now I'm working on Madame Blavatsky and uh -huh. a Russian Just who, who philosopher. Is, who is Madame Blavatsky, first of all? Different people call her different names. Uh -huh. So, some, well, for some people, she is uh, one of the greatest philosophers that Russia produced. For some, she's a charlatan and a con <laughs> artist and, um, and even a Russian spy. So there are so many different <laughs> wow, visions of yeah. Madame Blavatsky. What, what we do know that she was born in the Russian Empire in 1831 and died in 1891 in London and that she produced an incredible opus of works, um, The Secret Doctrine and other esoteric works that influenced um, generations of people to come. And she was even called by Kurt Vonnegut the mother of New Age mm -hmm. in the West. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at her status as this rebel who emerged from Russia, went to India, converted to Buddhism, so did all kinds of incredible things, including fighting in some of the wars in Europe, and left behind the Theosophical Society that's still well and um, functioning around the world, 
but I'm more interested in the reception that she received in Russia and how she struggled to establish her legitimacy as um, as a philosopher mm-hmm. um, and, and endologist in in Russia because the Russian society was much more conservative. They dismissed her as a woman. They dismissed right. her as somebody who makes these incredible claims that she can converse with spirits, right? Yeah. And um, she was not perceived seriously. So I, I, I take it that most of her, her following was in the diaspora communities of Europe? Oh, like, no, 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 absolutely not. She established herself among oh, okay. Americans because all of her esoteric works uh, were were written and published in English. So, so she was more famous in the United absolutely, States? Absolutely, by far, okay. yes. Wow. So when she immigrated in the United States and, and founded a philosoph- uh, Theosophical Society in 1875, and that's where her fame grew, so in America and in Europe. And she gave lectures, she held them. Um, meetings she was really influential so thousands of people influenced by her wow. and and relatively few russians except for nicholas rarick and his wife okay um but she was incredibly influential even for tolstoy for example who had her books he read her books wow. and quoted her books but misattributed it he never mentioned it was from blavatsky books he said uh-huh. brahmin's wisdom or something else and that so, makes yeah. perfect sense because i know there's lots of stuff about the eastern influences and tolstoy's right. philosophy and the nonviolence. um stuff and so did she did she ever go back did she ever go back to russia yes she she did she did and and uh and the interest uh uh, in her was incredible because everybody wanted to talk to her and see her and and be at her seances or or be in her presence so definitely had notoriety in russia but was struggling to insert herself in the academic discourse because she offered her services to russian academics studying india and in procuring the manuscripts and giving them access to sacred texts and, and was either met with um, complete silence or mm-hmm. just dismissal. And it's interesting to revisit those questions, how the knowledge networks work and who was in and who was out and mm-hmm. how do you legitimize yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and of most of the materials you're working with, I assume they're mostly in English? Is there? Oh, they're both in Russian yeah, and in English. English okay. And there is interest, there is much more academic interest in her now, which is very uh, encouraging. Yeah. So there are some articles from 2018 yeah. that treat um, her figure and her self-presentation kind of more sure, seriously sure. in the bigger context of spreading the knowledge. And right. um, like with the example of Sofia Kovalevskaya, one of the best mathematicians of 19th century, how she was not accepted by Russian yeah. academia, but yeah. she was only acknowledged abroad for longest time. Yeah. I, I love that idea of going in and focusing on these figures from history who for one reason for another, you know, could have been for their gender, it could have been for all kinds of, you know, or just get swapped up in world events that, you know, didn't, it's not really, it wasn't really immediately clear how big the the, the, the effect these people had was. I think it's just a fascinating right. um, mm-hmm. I, idea. Well, and her ideas are very, um, very um, relevant today because she said that there is no religion higher than the truth. And she fought for equality and against discrimination. And so it was, I think, the message of her uh, teachings. Are, so she had, really like, relevant. moral teachings oh, yeah, that are of course. still yeah, 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 very yeah. applicable. I mean, yes. applicable I'm just not working way. with them directly, but, okay. but, but I love her message of um, equality between men and women and different religions and different ethnic groups. So uh-huh. she was way ahead of her time. Well, Marina, that's fascinating. I think I'm, I'm certainly looking forward yeah. to that book, that project. Mm-hmm. And you'll have plenty of time to work on it because you'll be going to Paris. Yes, I'll be um, in next Paris semester. This spring, yep. Wow, that's jealous. I didn't even know that those kind of possibilities were open. I think for, it's very rare. It's yeah. the faculty exchange program run through the English department, and and it's, uh, I feel very lucky that I'll be teaching two graduate seminars there. 
Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome, yeah, and I'm you. really jealous. Okay. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been thank a real so pleasure. Much. Thank you for having me. The views expressed on this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the show or the University of Texas. Please visit SlavXRadio.com for more information. Thank you for listening. The Slavic Connection is produced by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas.